Before I share the word, uh, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 3. So if you want to turn in your Bible uh, to 1 John chapter 3, where we're going to be today, I really believe this is a important word, 1 John chapter 3, and while you're turning to 1 John chapter 3, um, I just want to share with you that we have a new worship guide of explaining and sharing with you different ways you can connect with us as a ministry throughout the month of July. This coming Friday, we'll be having a time of prayer, so I want to encourage you from 7 to 9 p.m. to join us as we pray uh, and believe God because he answers prayers. Um, also, I want to let you know that the Royal Ranger, this coming Wednesday, their new time starts at 6.30. Royal Rangers and Girl Ministries uh, starts this coming Wednesday at 6.30 to 8 p.m. Check-ins at 6.15. And so we have a lot of exciting things happening. So I want to encourage you to please go ahead and take one of these and put it on your fridge so that way you can see how can I connect with TGP this month. And uh, you can find different ways to, to connect. All right. Are you at First John chapter 3? Someone shout, Amen. All right. First John chapter 3. Let me get there. <laughs> God is so, so good. He's so, so good. Okay. First John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 10 to verse uh, 18 from verse. 10 to verse 18, and today's message is entitled, Give Me the Strength to Love. Give Me the Strength to Love. And um, this is awesome because I need the strength to love you, to love this nation, and to love my neighbor. (laughs) Amen. Don't kid yourself to think that loving people is easy. Amen. It is simple, but not easy, because sometimes they get on your last nerve, right? Amen? And so you've got to know. So this message really give me the strength to love you, this nation, and your neighbor. To love you, this nation, and your neighbor. First John chapter 3, reading from verse number 10, it says this. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that you have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you, should, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, Yet close his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in words or or talk, but in deed and in truth. Father, we pray your blessing to be upon your word. We honor and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. How many can agree it's not easy to love? 
I got both hands and both my feet up, right? Okay. If we're really honest, it is not easy to love. I mentioned this last week, and I want to share this with you again because I've been thinking about it all week. I'm amazed that when you have any conversation with any individual, I want you to do this. If you really want to have an influence in someone's life, whenever you're with somebody, the first thing you want to understand is their reality, right? Understand where they're coming from. Understand what and how they see the world based on their experiences, based on things that for them it's real, right? That's why we love reality shows, right? After a while, having the mic on you isn't amazing. Some of the things in the reality show, you forget the cameras are on you, you forget the mics on you, you just, you're just living life, reality. And so you want to be able to do that and look at, at people's reality. The reason why you want to look at people's reality is because how can they practically walk out or how can they actually overcome the very thing they're struggling with? It doesn't make any sense to struggle with something and don't want a way out. That's just crazy. Now, it may take you a while after realizing that this is not productive, that you want to say, you know what? This is not healthy. It's not healthy to think this way, right? And so eventually you want to have the practical skills of, of how do you walk out. And so what happens is this, and if, and if you want to do this, you can. But you notice that contemporary Christian preaching only speaks to those two areas. They, they only speak to the reality and they speak to the practical part. And the reason why they do that is because it's where people are. It, it's, it's what we call being relevant. And so what happens is that we preach to that, but there is a downside to that. Someone say downside. Yeah, there's a downside to that. Because after a while, you recognize that all you have is a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. You deny the power thereof. And so what happens is this, is because they didn't teach you sound theology, you don't have the power to actually deal with your reality. And so the enemy knows, as long as I can keep people to be biblically illiterate, I don't care what reality they're facing. They're never going to get the answer that they want because they're going to think that God doesn't care about them. God doesn't have the answer. Does that make sense? So when you're talking to somebody, your ultimate goal is to find God's word that speaks to their situation. That's the best thing you can do for anybody. If you really want to be a person of influence in anybody's life, you want to be able to take God's word and you want to be able to speak that word into their life, right? And so we call that being prophetic. It's being prophetic. It's coming together like this, right? And it's being prophetic and it's able to say, you know what? God's been really speaking to me about your situation. And I know the reality of what you're facing. And I know you've gotten some practical things. But let me give you, let me give you the theology. Let, let me give you what God has to say about that. Is that helping anybody? I hope it is. I hope it's helping everybody. Because, because we're going to look at this, uh, this message called the strength to love. And so here it is that John is writing now. And John is saying that, that you're about to face people's realities. You're about to see how, how people are practicing their religion. And so John wants to make sure that they get the message when it comes to love. They want to make sure they get the message when it comes to love. And so the reason why I laid that out is because we have a certain reality in our nation and so we have to then come and say, how do I face this reality without becoming a hater? How do I bring some theology into a place of where it's needed because I love people? And so John has explained this to us. And so in our text of where we're going to be, the first thing we understand is in looking at First John is this, is that, write this down, we have to understand that God's kind of love 
is strong. The God kind of love is strong. And the reason why we want to look at this is because it begins and it says in verse number one, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. So automatically when we entertain this concept of love, the first thing is this, is that he explains the God kind of love. And he says, listen, the love the Father has given to us, what kind of love has God given to us? Not love that appeals to our flesh, no. Not love that thinks that we can do whatever we want to. John is clearly saying here, listen, the kind of love the Father has given is that we should be called the children of God. Not just the creation of God. But that we actually are called the children of God. So John automatically begins with the reality that when we're looking at people, you give value because they're created by God. But they receive the love of God because they become children of God. That's so important. That's so important because when you're speaking to them as the creation of God, you have to bring strong language. Right? you got to bring strong language because you want them to get to a place where they understand the God kind of love. So here we are now. And so the question is, what kind of love the Father has given to us? And it's that we can be called the children of God. And he says, and so we are. And it says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it doesn't know him. So he's saying, listen, church, don't get to a place where you hate. They just don't know you. That's all. Because if they know you... They will love you because you are the children of God. Now, the creation of God, because if we go back to that, they can see your faults. They can see your past. They can see your mistakes. Come on, somebody, right? As the creation of God, you all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? That's my past. But now I've embraced the love of the Father. Now I step into a new relationship now, and now I am a child of God. And so the people I used to run with, they hate me. Why? Because I've stepped now into a relationship where I embrace God as father. I don't care what category of sin it is. The moment you leave it, they hate you. As long as you're, you're, you're drinking with them and, and you're living with them and you're living that lifestyle. Come on, there's a bunch of people who got delivered out of homosexual lifestyle. But they talk bad about them. They used to be kicking it with them. But now they're no longer walking in that because they have the love of the Father. They're not saying that you're not a value. They don't want to hate you. They're just saying, I received the love of the Father. This kind of love is better than this kind of love. And it's strong language. That's all it is. And so that's why there's room. Listen, that's why the world can have their type of love. And so church, don't hate. It's not in our DNA to hate. It really isn't. So whenever they say, man, you're hating on me, they don't know good theology. They're speaking to the reality because you have to use strong language. Come on, parents. If you're not using strong language with your kids, you don't love them. Because the Bible declares in whom the Lord loves, he corrects. He corrects. And so the first thing John is saying, listen, I know I'm messing with you, but you got to understand that this kind of, of love that the Father is that you could be called the children of God, and so we are. And this is available for everybody, for everybody. And the second thing now is once you embrace the love of the Father, once you embrace the love of the Father. So my question to you, you don't have to answer right now, is are you a creation of God or are you a child of God? Child of God. 
So because I'm a child of God, then I think differently. I look at things differently. God is my father, right? And so I have to look at these things and have to realize now that, listen, this is how I'm going to live. So I need the strength to love. Love called me out of darkness. And so I need his love now. And it's not just to love me. If that was the case, that would be great. But I have to love you. And I have to love my neighbor. And if I can love you and love my neighbor, I can love this nation. Does that make sense? And so John is writing this to us. And this is so important of which the time of which we're living in. The second thing is this. Not only is the God kind of love strong. In verses 4 to verse 6, it also tells us that love uses strong language. Love uses strong language. It moves away from I like you. It moves to a place of I love you. It's a strong, strong language. And throughout the entire scripture, we can see this. And the first thing we can understand is, is a well-familiar scripture that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So let me ask you a question. Isn't that good news? Everyone you meet said, listen, it is not God's will that you should perish, but you shall have everlasting life. What? The problem is you think you're not going to die. So you don't need everlasting love. You just need seasonal love. Because <laughs> I can't fathom being loved for all eternity. <laughs> so if I can't picture being loved by God for all eternity, I just need some temporary love right now. And so when we look at this, we have to understand that he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so that's, that's the strong language. That's what we're coming from, that we don't want anyone to perish. So we can't hate. No. And so love uses strong language. Now, I wrote this down. I think this is important. I didn't say foul language. Fear uses foul language. Fear brings curse. Fear brings people to cuss, right? It's fear. It's where Peter was sitting there and he says, hey, I know who you are. You are no longer a fisherman. You are one of those who followed him. Watch this now. So Peter didn't cuss because of his past. Come on. He cussed because she brought up a new identity and fear came in. Because he feared this new identity. He says, I'm not the one. And so he denies Jesus. Why? Because of fear. And that's what fear will do. It'll cause you to say things you know you don't believe. It'll cause you to say something just to defend yourself, right? One of the hardest things I tell Megan a lot of times, I'm like, babe, the reason why, you know, it seems like I'm quiet and I don't say stuff is because when you say something and you release out of your mouth, you can't try to pull it back in again. Oh, you've already said it. Come on. And now we got to live with guilt. I didn't mean that. You know what I mean? And so we got to do all this. And if we would just think about love first, that'll prevent us from putting our foot in our mouth, right? You know what I mean? And so it's very important. And so love uses strong language. That's why when somebody gets married and they come up and they says, I love you, that's strong language. That is strong language. And so we don't to just come out and just say to people, I love you like that. We just say it's so, just, just so easy it comes out of our mouth. But it's truly not easy at all. Because love uses strong language. 
And so what happens is that people love the side of Jesus where he's just, oh, this cool, feed me bread, multiply my fish, Jesus. But they don't want the Jesus who speaks to religion. Come on. He says, you vipers. <laughs> you children of the devil. <laughs> this is loving Jesus who multiplies the fish and the loaves. Who says, you have your father, the devil. I'm like, my gosh. So unless you're Jesus, you can't speak like that. I don't want to mess around. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So it's important that we understand that love uses strong language. There are times when we have to get to a place, if we see that the train is coming and someone's on the track, you don't love them by just being passive. You got to yell, get off the track. There's a train coming, train coming. So give me the strength to love. Okay, so with those two things, now you can love one another. You see the theology? So we're making attempts to love people and we're looking at God's word, but we don't have those two things. First of all, we don't realize we're children of God and that the Father has given us his love. If we don't understand that love uses strong language, we're not prepared to love. We're not prepared to love. Isn't that amazing? We tell our kids all the time, you're not ready, to, you're not ready for that boyfriend yet. You're, you're not prepared for love because we're going to explain to you that you think love is just this gooshy thing. You know what I'm saying? Nah, nah, come on. Now, that'll wear off the moment you go to the bathroom. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. I know it's graphic, but it's true, right? Love is strong language. You know what I mean? That's just some butterflies. You're going to push that out. You're going to push that out, right? And so, therefore, you're going to be empty after that. You're going to be empty. So, a lot of people are just empty. And they hate because they have nothing to give. And so, John says, you can't even love one another until you understand good theology. Kid leaves home early and just messed up, and you gotta love properly. You gotta be like the prodigal God, not the prodigal son, the prodigal God. <laughs> the reality of Luke 15 is not about the prodigal son who rebelled, it's about the prodigal God who loved well. Who loved well. And so we wanna be that. Um, I, was, I was interviewed for a, a blog, and uh, it was so neat. Uh, what was it? A podcast, sorry, I was, I was interviewed for a podcast. And it's so neat that there's this little, little girl that I remember when she was like five or six, and she'd like, look, Pastor Ho, and she would just do this with her foot. I'm like, okay. All right. Now she's sitting across from me asking me questions about theology. And I'm sitting there thinking, and as she's asking me questions, I'm just mesmerized. I'm like, look at you, hopping on one foot to sitting down asking great questions of theology. And she said, what has been your strength? What has been the thing that reinforced you in your faith? And I said, the church. And she says, what? I said, yeah. She goes, okay, my generation doesn't even understand what church is. <laughs> Explain to me what church is in your mind. And I said this. I said, I love Christ with all my heart. And I love the church. And I've shared this before, but this is worth uh, repeating. Because in between Christ and the church, we feel so many things in between that. And it's not that they're not important. It's just that they fill space. And, and so we've come to this place of where we love Christ, but we hate the church. That's impossible. That's not theology. That's reality. That's one place of hurt. That's not Bible. Oh, let me say it again. That's not Bible. So when somebody said they walked away from the church, that's a lie. You can't walk away from something you belong to. You can't. 
You can't. Now, when you become children of God, now, as a creation with your choice, great. But when you're a child of God and the Father loves you, you belong to him. He says that no one can snatch you out of my hands. So you have a belief issue. You don't really believe that you are a child of God because the enemy keeps bringing you back into a place of where you think you're that when God says, no, you're this. So your struggle is really with your identity of who you love. And so I told them, I said, I love the church. And so, and so, I, and so I hear people all the time. When I first uh, get into corporate, corporate can, and I was talking to this one lady, and she says, man, I, I love Jesus. I just can't stand his bride. I'm like, what does that even mean? She goes, I don't love the church. That's what you told him, First John, love one another. He's talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. He says, love one another. And so what happened is we feel Christ and the church with so many different things. That when they leave, we just replace them with something else. As opposed to those things that get removed and get us closer to the church, what we do is we fill those things with other stuff. So we're still distant between Christ and the church. Come on. And so to love one another, it's so far in distance because here's the deal. Because everything you put in between Christ and the church, guess where it goes to? Right here again. So the person that you put value in and they leave, you come right back here, then the church. And so what happens is this. The church should be the safest place for you to go because it's in the church you learn to love one another so you can love the world properly. Come on. And the enemy knows, I'll keep you away from the place that will teach you how to love so you continue to try to be a creation of God as opposed to realizing you are a child of God. And the enemy has robbed us of that. And now we make excuses for not loving. And we put all these things here. And these things now become idols and we wonder why we can't love. And God's like, because you're so full of it. And so he's teaching us here and he's saying, listen, you have to love one another. This is our assignment. I didn't write the book. I didn't. I didn't write the book. And so here John is writing. John is saying, so let me ask you a question, right? If you're going to love one another, write this down. Here's the question. Here's a question for you. Here's the question for the church in America. Not the American church. Here's the question for the church in America where God has planted you, where God says you are going to live in this nation as the church, as the remnant, and you're going to love one another. Why? Because the Father has loved you. Are you following me so far? Are you tracking with me? So here's the question. If you're going to love one another, my question to you is this from verse 10. Are you on the side of love? Are you on the side of love? Are you still on the side over here that I'm a creation of God and I should have value? Yes, I'm a creation of God and I should be true respect. Yes, I'm a creation of God and you can't tell me what to do. Yes, you have all of that. But the question is, are you on the side of love that now you come over here and you realize, no, I'm more than just a creation of God. I am now a child of God. I'm on this side of love. Come on, church. I'm on this side of love. And the enemy is going to continue to try to pull you over here. Watch. He's not trying to pull you into sin. He's trying to pull you into temptation to sin. Oh, come on. Come on. It's too big of a leap to get you from a child of God to sin. And no. And John writes about it. No. He pulls you from a place of child of God to a creation of God. So you now think you are God. 
And that's how he pulls us in, people. And so we can't love one another. Why? Because over here, all we're doing is loving ourselves. We just got to make sure we fill our needs and what we have, what things we want to do. And now I'm depleted. There's no way I can love you over here. So pick any hot issue. Any issue of the culture. It lands in the culture. They deal with it. It lands in the church. We confused. Right to the culture. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Ready? One, two, three, break. Comes to the church. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm like, what? What? There should be no issue that comes into this culture that if it gets into the church can divide us. Why? Because we love one another. And he begins by saying there has to be on the side of love. And this is where we get in trouble. It's because when you go on the side of love, you will be tempted to be pulled back over to that side. And so John writes in number 10, I love what he says, and he goes this, and I love what he says. He says, by this is evident, verse 10, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil? Here's what it says, whoever does not practice righteousness, whoever, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So he gives two ways to identify if you're on the side of love. He says, if you don't practice righteousness, you don't love God. And... If you don't love your brother, that cute, if you don't love your brother, if you don't love her. And so he's putting, he goes, are you on the side of love? And when I read this, I'm like, hold on a second here. Um, what do you mean who doesn't practice sin? Can I free you from something? I'm, I'm going to free you from something. When you get this, you're going to see how powerful love is and God's love for you to keep you, to keep you. When someone comes to know Jesus, you didn't do it because the preacher manipulated you or something like that. That won't keep you. When you came to know Jesus as a child of God, Jesus initiated it. He did it. He says, I love you, and he pulls you, and you, in obedience, came to him. Be free of that right there. He called you. He called you. He says, I want you, and he calls you. My love draws you, and he comes. And how powerful we are as human beings that we can sit there when God has drawn us and say, no, I don't want. Think about that. The angels couldn't even do that. And that we can do that. And so we say now that he draws you. And, and so what happens now is that he delivered you from sin. And he's going to talk about it here. And he frees you from sin. Did Jesus die to set us free from sin? Yes or no? He did. He did. So why do we keep sinning? Because John is saying those who practice sin, you're not of God. So automatically now, because we do sin, reality, we have to constantly battle with the enemy. Are we a child or are we a creation? Are we a child or are we a creation? Depends on what day it is, right? And God is saying, break it. My love is not some this. You're on the side of love. Stay with me, church. You're on the side of love. What I need for you to do, you have to know how to love. Where I'm taking you, you have to know how to love. You want to direct this nation? Direct this nation by love. The world is already screaming, screaming out and saying, this is what love is. And you're saying, no, it's on this side. But the reality is I'm one decision away from being over here. Come on. I'm one decision away from being here. And so here is where the enemy has us confused. Because John says those who practice sinning. He didn't say those in the presence of sin. 
He says those who practice sin is the indication that you are trapped in temptation and you gave over your will to it. He says the prince of sin is there. Why? Because in the garden, and I've shared this before, the enemy was there. So the presence of evil was always there. And yet Adam and Eve was able to live victorious in the midst of the presence of evil. Because they love God. That's how powerful the love of God is. That the love of God will keep you in the midst of the presence of evil. The psalmist says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your presence is much greater than the presence of evil. And so because your presence, your love is greater, I will not practice that which my flesh wants. But I'd rather live in your presence. And so the question is this. Love uses strong language. So if you're practicing sin, stop it. It is robbing you of love. And it's forcing you to be trapped in a temptation that the enemy says if they stay trapped, they will eventually sin, separated from God. So when you love one another, we must first learn to love each other in the church or we will not have a voice to be in the community. And so all that happened in 2019, 2020, and in 2021, the first six months, has not shaken God. (laughs) It's shaken his church, but it hasn't shaken God. It hasn't. And he's saying all that I should see rise from everything that's happened is love. Come on. There's a great dimension of love that's there because what happens is this, is we understand that we're on the side of Love. So let me end with this. I'll end with this. Okay, preacher, I get it. The God kind of love, I'm a child of God. I get it. Love uses strong language. I now understand I have to love one another, and I am on the side of love. Are you on the side of love? Amen. I'm on the side of love. You're on the side of love. So John goes and he writes now, because we're going to get into Cain, because again, even John recognizes the first four books of the Bible. And John brings up Cain. Remember we're talking about Cain and Abel? John, who wasn't alive at the time of Cain and Abel, writes about something that happened in Genesis chapter 4. Why? Because when most people get saved, we don't go back to Genesis 3, 2, and 1. We go back to Genesis chapter 4. And we have to deal with each other. How do I love my brothers? And so John is right now and he says, this is the message of love. This is so important and we must understand this. This is the message of love. Write this down. Verse number 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. So how do I do that, Pastor Rose? So it's not, it's simple, but it's not easy. How do I do that? Number one, please understand this. That God is not a form or a force of love. God is not a form or a force of love. You start right there. When you're about to love people within the church and in the community, the first thing they're going to say is they're going to say, well, God is love. God is love. But God is not a form or a force of love. That's why you can't manipulate people. That's why you can't use women 
on God. You, you can't use, that's why, no, that's not God. It's not a form and it's not a force of love. You can't force yourself onto people. You, you can't do, you can't manipulate them. You can't be greedy. You can't do those things. Does someone hear me right now, right? We got so many people that's gone through traumatic situations. Why? Because they perceive what was love and it was forced upon them against their will. And so the message of love is this, is that it is not a form or a force. See, as a form, Love is shaped by society's values and the reality of the culture. Then this love then, which is shaped by society, is then spread through social media and slick marketing campaigns until it becomes the new normal. That's what happens. Is that they take love and they, and they bend it to fit where they are. And this is now, this is love. This is love. And, and absent of coming to the church, which is supposed to be the, 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 the vessel, the voice of love, they now see this and like, okay, this is it. And so it's shaped in various things, right? It's shaped in various forms. And so we see the fruit of what they've shaped. In other words, can I teach this thing? Love is not saying, where is God? Let's make a golden calf and let's build it and let's worship it and say, this is who delivered you out of Egypt. They took people's things and they shaped and they formed something and says, love this now. This is what love is. As for Moses and this God, we have no idea where he is. But look what's in front of you. This is the reality. This is what you have to love. And so they bowed down to the golden calf. If you love somebody, you will not get bent out of shape. But you'll be flexible with the faith to know the love of the Father. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're flexible. You got the fruits. God is not a form or a force of love. He's not. You know how difficult it is with my children and the things I do for them? And I'm like, you ungrateful thing, you. Am I the only one? Come on. Just think about themselves, right? God reminds me, why'd you do it, Ro? Did you do it to get something from them or did you do it because you love me? Now, I'm not saying I don't like affirmation. That's my love language. But you're not talking about love language. That's from the world again. It's okay, but love language is still not the same as God's love. (laughs) Get that. Because liking and loving words of affirmation, if I don't have that check with God's love, then I will shape things to fit me so I can manipulate things. Come on. So I go to my children, manipulate them to do something because I need that affection from them. I don't care where they say hi, boo, it hurts. But listen, God is the one who sees all. And so therefore, I refuse to take love and shape it to where it manipulates this situation. No, I love you purely out of a love for God. Am I up on anybody? Number two, God's love is amongst us. God's love is among us. First John 4 verse 9 and 10 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to die for our sins. Wow. Wow. So here's the question. Did God die for you? Yes, he died for me as well. 
And that's where we get to this place of saying, listen, do you know anybody that would die for you? The Bible says, scarcely would someone die for you. I'm telling you, with my wife, yes, I would jump in the way and take a bullet, but I'd be like, um, okay. Now, I love her deeply. And we celebrate her birthday tomorrow. You know what I mean? And we're going to have, we're going to have a great time celebrating her amazing arrival. You know what I'm saying? And God is so good. And I got a tremendous day planned tomorrow. I'm telling you, man, it's going to be awesome. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be, it's going to be amazing, right? It's going to be amazing. But see, the thing is, the thing is this, that God, while I was yet a sinner, died for me. Come on, church. He died for you. That's what I don't understand with young people. I'm like, are you telling me God's love is not enough to draw you? God is like, I have nothing else to give you then. If my love can't draw you, then you don't realize who is amongst you. God's love is among you. Where can I go from his presence of the psalmist? Nowhere. Where can I hide from God's love? Nowhere. Where can I run to? Nowhere. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. And I know this is difficult for some religious people to think I'm giving a free pass for love. No, what I'm saying is love sets you free. Love is a thing. Love is what God says. I loved you. Love is amongst you. I manifest. Come on, the word became flesh because of love. He saw what Adam and Eve did and he still says... I'm amongst you. The Bible says that he came in the cool of the day. Love is among us. I just got a few minutes left, but see, when I think of God's love, that's why I'm a worshiper, people. That's why I'm, I'm, I worship God not because what God has done. I, I'm grateful and I rem- but I worship God because of His love, because because of His love, because of His love for me, His love for me. And here is the missing thing. Here is the missing. Someone say, "What's missing, Pastor Rowe? Okay, so you understand. Okay, I know God's not a form. God's not a force. I get that, okay? And so God is love. I get it. But what's the issue? And why am I not embracing? Why am I not, why am I not enjoying all that it is? And here is the answer. Someone say, someone say, give me the answer, Pastor Roe. The issue is not that God is, is love. Of course he is. The issue is, and God is asking you, am I your first love? It's not that you don't know that I'm love. Of course you do. You tell me all the time. But the issue that I'm, I'm challenged with, what, what John is writing here, and he's saying this, what, what John is saying is that, am I your first love? Oh, come on. Hmm. That's the real question. That's the real, am I your first love? Is there any idols that you have in your life that's taken my place? And God says, I will not share my glory with anybody. So the real question comes as this, am I your first love? The question for this nation, is God our first love? The question for your marriage, is God the first love? The question for your kids, is God the first love? Anyone else that replaces that, it's an idol. Yes, I said it. I said it. That's what missing. God has said, I know you love it, but I'm not your first love. Look at your schedule. Come on. Look at your checkbook. Come on. Look at 
your words. Look at your relationship. Is God your first love? See, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, a new nation was going into the promised land. And so this was written by Moses as what we call the second law. He says the first generation missed it. But there's a second generation. And what did God do? Didn't change his message. Told him the same message. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What is God saying for this nation? In the midst of everything that we see going on. An angry generation says you're angry because there's no love. I'm not saying you shouldn't have righteous anger. I'm saying you're angry to the point of hatred. And he brings Cain in the picture just to draw it home to him. Oh, my goodness. He says, let me show you what's going on. So what we should be declaring is here, all America, God is one. Love the Lord that God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He tells a generation that's about to go in. He tells a generation of where Hannah is leading them. He tells a generation of where McKenna, and he says to this generation, Hannah, listen, you're about to enter into a promised land. There are things that your foreparents didn't see. Oh, my goodness. He said, there are things that your parents were praying for and will not see. Good God Almighty. No wonder God gave uh, Lizzie that message. You're not your parents. Because he said, I'm about to show you things that your mommy and your daddy will not see. Oh, good God. I wish I had a church this morning that recognized there's things your kids are going to see, Josephine, that you didn't see. There are giants, my God. And that's why we fight for them. Because we recognize there are things they have to see that we couldn't see. And he said, tell that generation, love the Lord that God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It won't be easy but love the lord that god with all your heart with all your mind with all your strength they're loving their cell phone it's like a demon when you take it away it's in my camp give us a cell phone that's their first love come on that's their first love and when they got it back instantly it's their first love And this is really the hard question of the church. And this is what we must repent of. Because we've made everything else our first love. We've made everything our first love. We've made everything. And so when I start to meddle, now you think, oh my gosh, he hates me. No, I'm just telling you that if God is not your first love, you're no good. I'm no good. I tell you all the time. I can't love Megan properly if I don't love God first. It doesn't work that way. And so the pastor, and to, and to love you as pastors, you better pray, God, I pray my pastor's filled up with love. That's the question. I pray my pastor's filled up with love, right? Because you want to make sure that what he's preaching is not some message, you know what I mean, that's judgmental or, come on, get the people in shape. No, what? I'm going to slap you in shape. No, it doesn't work that way. It needs to be from a place of true, deep understanding of God's love. Is God your first love? So, so what do you need from me, Pastor Rowe? Okay, you've been, you've been preaching now. And what, what do you need from me? I don't need anything. The question is, what does God need from you? And what God is saying, I need to be your first love. So there are people in this church and watching online 
Well, your first thing is this. Okay, God, give me the strength to renew my love for you, to renew you as my first love. There's some people, that's, that's, what, you, that's what your prayer is. I need to renew my love for the Lord. I got off track. I got distracted. I got this promotion. I got this thing. I got this happen. And I need to now renew my first love. That's, that, that's one group of people. The second is they need to remember your first love. Remember your first love. Remember what it's like when you first met Jesus. Remember what it's like when you knew that he was amazing and still is. Remember your first love. Before you can love me, remember your first love. And number three, return back to your first love. That's where we are as a nation. That is the message of love. When you're speaking to people now because you're on the side of love, the first thing you're going to tell them is this. I know you've been hurt, but renew your first love. I know, I know what happened to you was by force. I know they manipulated you. I know that that wasn't right. I know they didn't treat you with the proper value that you were deserving of. I know that. But renew your first love. Renew your first love. Remember your first love. And return back to your first love. John writes and John is saying, before I get to Cain and Abel, I got to make sure you understand good theology. Because when we understand what Cain did to Abel, it'll gonna, it's going to blow your mind. When you understand, my goodness, what Jesus said about Abel, I never saw that in my 30s of walking with the Lord. Until God showed me in this series, he says, I'm going to show you what Cain really did. And why Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put that in first. And says, you've got to understand what Cain did to Abel and why he's saying the church must understand the strength of love. Because it is going to absolutely expose the enemy for who he is. And it's going to cause you and I, as the body of Christ, to finally say, I get it. Give me the strength to love. Everybody, every eyes closed. If you're here this morning, and your question is, God, are you really my first love? God, you're so good. Are you my first love or am I in love with the applause of men? Am I in love with, the, with, 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 with all those things? God, are you, my, are you my first love? Give me the strength to love you first and only. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just take 30 seconds out and says, God, either renew my love, help me to remember my first love, or pray return to your first love.